Now what I'd like to do is introduce to you our speaker for this evening, which is our amazing Pastor Lee Armstrong. So if you would give it up for him. <laughs> There's the amazing Spider-Man and then me. That's, I love it. I, I, I want to start. I have a word first. A um, couple, actually. D- did you see the baby? I mean, she's talking, and the music is playing, and all this stuff, and baby's just asleep, just safe and secure. For some of you, you need to know God's got you in that baby thing, and you're next to his heart, and you just need to rest. I know there's yelling going on around you. I know there's chaos all around you, but you, you've been bundled up in God's presence, man. Just, just chill. It's okay. The other thing is I want to speak to the mature among us. I Notice I didn't say old. The older I get, the more I realize it's just mature. I feel like I really want to encourage you. The Lord is speaking to you. Your time is not over. It is not time for you to coast. I see something happening in the body of Christ, and I think God's speaking to our church right now to say, look, don't be like other places where the old people just give up and no longer have influence and impact. You have wisdom that needs to be shared. You know, the Bible is very clear. Let the older women teach the younger how to love their children, how to love their husbands. Our culture desperately needs femininity. Women teaching women how to be women. We need men teaching men how to be a real man. And I know that it's easy because you may not have the energy that the 20-year-olds have, but they don't have the wisdom and experience you have. With maturity comes slowing down and doing things better. It doesn't do any good to go 1,000 miles an hour in the wrong direction, right? So I really want to encourage you, and, and, and I know the excuses. I really do. Well, nobody wants what I have. Nobody's coming to me. Well, then go grab somebody. And if you've got to grab 15 before one of them says yes, then grab 15. Because your time is not over, and you need to stay involved and hooked up. God basically says it this way. The everything that half breath, praise the Lord. So your time on this planet is not over until you don't have any more breath. So get involved. If you don't, I'm going to come looking for you. Because I'm old, but I'm going to come looking for you because I still have something to do, and that's to get you involved. Say, I love love. Pastor Dwayne. (laughs) Amen. Don't you feel better? I do. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful for your word tonight. We're thankful that as we open up your word and get in your word, Father God, that word has the power to fulfill itself and to change us into the very image that we behold, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word and it having impact and influence in our life tonight. And we praise you for it ahead of time in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Second Corinthians 11, verse 3. Paul is speaking, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, I heard that Zach talked about this last Wednesday. I was in Ardmore, so I wasn't here. But he's right. And I just want to springboard off of that. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to hear more and more messages 
about getting back to the simplicity of Christ, getting rid of the complex and resting in the simple things of the kingdom because it's become an epidemic in our culture to be so busy we're ineffective at anything. We're going a thousand directions nowhere instead of going a single direction a thousand miles. And so Paul is speaking to the body of Christ. And so I'm speaking to those that are here and those that will be here in this message. I, like Paul, have a concern for you. And that concern is that you would subtly be sucked into the cultural error of being too busy. It's a very real problem in our culture today. And I've, I've heard all the messages how you need to do more. You need to get up earlier than the next guy and work later than the next guy if you're going to make it in this world. And you need to crush the day. All that, I, I hear it. I, I get it. But I'm watching a world who is missing what's really important. And we're filling our plates. There's already losing things off of the plate. And we keep adding more stuff to the plate. And we wonder why we are stressed. We wonder why we can't accomplish the things we want to accomplish in life. And so Paul was speaking and I'm speaking. I have a concern that you'll be lured away subtly. Nobody got up this morning and said, I'm going to ignore God. Nobody got up this morning and said, I'm going to put God on the back burner. Nobody got up this morning and said, God's going to be the last thing on my mind. Subtly, we were drawn into things that steal our time away from God. If the enemy showed up with a pitchfork and in red, we would know it was the devil. And if he said, I'm going to do this, and so we would oppose it. But he's subtle. He comes in little by little, moment by moment, little here, there a little, taking away, taking away, taking away. And we find ourselves so busy in our culture, we do not have time for God. Now, that's a problem. Thank you for your thunderous applause. That's a problem. I understand what, what people are saying. But when we as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, are too busy to spend time with our husband, things go awry. And the enemy knows that. Complexity and the chaos that comes with it, we need to avoid. I need you to know that the more complex your Christianity becomes, the more religious it becomes. Put that on your refrigerator. Memorize that. Forget the planes and the trains. Whenever I look at the body of Christ in history, the more complex people's Christianity became, the more religious it became. And Paul was saying, do not walk away from the simplicity that's in Jesus. And I, I keep telling people, this is really pretty simple. God is good. The devil is bad. If we could just keep that in mind, a lot of stuff would clear up. We would stop blaming God for things God doesn't have anything to do with. If you would just keep in mind the simple truth, God is good, the devil is bad. But our Christianity comes to this place where we go, but what about, and I have a thought about that, we just need to get our butts out of here and just believe, go ahead, you, you know that was good. Let me just say to you, with complexity comes stress. So I don't ask for no hands. I just want you to ask yourself, are you stressed? Yeah. 
If you are under stress, there are a couple things going on. One is you haven't made a decision. Much of our stress is because of indecision. You know, when people have to pray through every Sunday, whether they're going to tithe or not, there's stress that comes with it. My wife and I have decided from the very beginning, tithe comes first. I know I'm old. I write checks. But it's the first check. And we don't sweat it. There's no stress in it. It's a done deal. We've made our decision. And because we've made our decision, I don't have any stress about it at all. We don't worry. We don't fret. We just write the check and move on. So one of the things that creates stress is indecision. But another thing that creates stress that most of us are unaware of is complexity. When we take something that is simple and we make it complex, the things of God are simple. When you look at the teachings of Christ, they are simple. A sower sowed the seed. It's simple. Simple isn't necessarily the same as easy. Right? Okay, that's okay. I'll, I'll back up. Forgiveness. Simple concept. You've been forgiven a million dollars, forgive this $5 debt. Pretty simple. But doesn't mean it's easy. Your emotions try to tell you otherwise, and other people try to tell you otherwise. But forgiveness, and the principle of forgiveness is really, really simple. Christ paid a debt you were unable to pay. It was a $5 million. Now we have to advance it because there are all kinds of millionaires. It was a $5 billion debt, and this particular offense is a $5 offense. You ought to make easily to be able to forgive that if you realize I've forgiven $5 billion. Real simple. The things of the kingdom are simple, and we need to keep them simple. With simplicity comes peace, and with peace comes joy. You know, when something is complicated, you lose your peace. Now, I'm going to say this, and everybody laughs at me, but I know I'm right, so I'm going to keep saying it. Our technology today is not user-friendly. It's only user-friendly if you're 20 years old or younger. <laughs> you know I'm right. When I, when I look at all the changes we have in our systems, I literally have three 8 by 11 pages of my passcodes. Three pages. Something's wrong with that. But now I hear they have an app that will keep all my passwords. <laughs> That's exactly what I need is another app. Matthew eleven twenty five. If you've got your Bible, I think they probably put it on the on the screen. Matthew eleven twenty five. Listen to this. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, or the learned people, and have revealed them to babes. That's beautiful. That's a really nice way of saying, if you're so smart you can't understand it, you're too smart because babies can get it. The things of the kingdom are Simple. 
When it's said in such a way that you don't get it, it's too complex. God is good. The devil is bad. If you take it past that, it can get complicated. Keep it simple. He said he's hidden these things from the wise, the people whose knowledge has puffed them up, but he's revealed them to babes. You know, the Bible tells us to be like children. Why is that? Because children learn easily. They don't get complex. They get easy. And they walk in faith so easily. A child will believe that a sock can talk. They just are naturally drawn to believe. We grow up and then we have a hard time walking in faith. It's because we have made it complex when it's really simple. God is good. And I'm going to have faith that whatever's going on, God has got my best interest at heart. So he reveals it to the simple in simple ways. And we have to remember to keep it simple because once it becomes complex and intricate, it brings with it stress. Now, I'm going to say this, and you just have to trust me. I love being a Christian. I'm persecuted. People make fun of me. I'm laughed at. People write me all kinds of things. But I love being a Christian. I love following God. I, I absolutely feel sorry for people who don't know the Lord. That's why I want to share my Christian experience. But I know so many Christians who are unhappy. They're miserable because they're trying to keep all the do's and the don'ts, and they're trying to live by somebody's rules and regulations instead of just loving God. I love my Christian life because I love God. I'm up here not because I'm smarter than anybody else, but because I said yes. <laughs> I, I came to the realization that God gave me a radio face. And he called me to talk. And so I'm going to talk. And it's real simple for me. I'm just looking for avenues to speak. He created me to speak. I'm going to challenge, change, and cheer wherever I go, and I do that mostly through communication. And I just love my Christian life because I know God loves me. Bad things have happened in our life. Some of you know our story. That doesn't change the fact that God is good. And so when I keep that at the forefront, it's simple. It doesn't matter how bad this is. My God is good. My God is for me. <laughs> So if your Christian life is not that, you've made it too complex. Okay. I got all night. I don't know how long you got. <laughs> we insist on making things complex. I just want to share with you some things that as I've, as I've lived this life, see, I, I was raised without any Christian background whatsoever. So when I got saved, all I knew to do was read this book and believe what it said. So I'm way ahead of most people because I didn't have to overcome religious traditions and mindsets. I was told God loved me. Great. I believe that. And I've believed it ever since. But I want to just share with you some simple things that God has shown me that I look and I go, why did we make that so stinking difficult? In Matthew 25, 1, there is the parable of the ten virgins. Anybody ever hear that story? Okay, for the three of you that did, I'll have to share it with the rest of you. The story goes, there were ten virgins. They had lamps. They went to go meet the bridegroom. 
Some of them had no oil. Five of them had no oil in their lamps, and the other five had oil in their lamps. So the ones that didn't have any oil asked the others that did, hey, give us some oil so we can go. He said, no, you need to go pay. We might not have enough if we give you what we have. And so when they went to go get oil, the bridegroom came and swept them away, and the ones that weren't ready were left behind. Pretty simple story. And I have heard that story, that parable, to where, and, and there's truths here. I, I want to express that. But they start picking it apart. The virgins represent this. The lamps represent this. The oil represents this. The gate represents this. The bridegroom represents... And they forget what the whole story is about. They get so deep into the weeds, they forget the story is about being ready. (laughs) Okay, maybe you missed it. it. All that stuff can be important. I get it. But if you talk about all the details and you miss the main point, you miss the main point. I keep telling people all the time, let's keep the main thing the main thing. If you've known me any kind of time at all, I've probably asked you, are you still saved? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Are you still saved? And then what I say after that is, we just need to keep the main thing the main thing. Because if you're saved, it'll all work out from there. Okay, I'm saved, but I got all these issues. Are you saved? They'll work out. If they don't get worked out here, they'll get worked out before you get there. (laughs) I mean, we can take something so simple. I've shared this a lot. This whole book is about being ready. Not just for death, but ready for life and the thing life throws you. This book is about being ready for marriage. This book is about being ready for children. This book is about being ready for opposition. Anything you face, this book has wisdom in it to help you be ready. But if you miss that, you've missed the main point. And I've watched the body of Christ get so down in the weeds over things, they've missed the main point. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. We have dog fights over that. Whether Jesus is coming back before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, after the tribulation. Listen, when you get to heaven, two-thirds of you are going to be wrong. <laughs> Let it go. You know, though, I have found out, just talking to people, you know why most people want to know when Jesus is coming back? So they can be ready. See, they want to live like the devil until the week before. I literally, every time one of these books come out that somebody says Jesus is coming back on February 18th or whatever, I literally have people call me. Pastor Lee, do you think Jesus is coming back? Because if he is, I need to give some money to the church. I usually say, yeah, he's coming back. Go ahead and give it to Victory. No, I don't. (laughs) Not really. That's the wrong theology. Here's the point. If you live every day as if Jesus could come back, you'll be right one day. (laughs) Okay. It's, It's simple for me. I'm not worried about when. I want to be ready. So I live every day as if he could come back, and one day I'll be right. I've got to keep simple things 
Simple. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is pretty simple. And yet we got thousands of books to help you understand that one simple truth. And then we have the world telling us that's very narrow-minded. You guys are so narrow-minded and exclusive. No, God is simplistic, and we mess it up. What would happen if you did make ten ways? We would be so, we're confused with one way. (laughs) I'm looking and I'm watching. He makes it as simple as it can be. An eight-year-old can get it, and they do all the time. And we make the simple complex. And we let the world chide us as if simplicity is wrong. God gave us one way so we couldn't mess it up, and we mess it up all the time. God is not exclusive. God is all-inclusive. All who believe. Simplistic. Say simplistic. Simplistic. The world says we're narrow-minded. God says, I just made it simple. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they would know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. From beginning Genesis to end, God's desire for you and I, the bullseye for you and I, the goal for you and I is relationship with God. That's it, period. In the beginning, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. They had relationship. They just talked. They fellowshiped. Do you have friends that you go fishing with or go camping with and you just talk? While you're walking in the way, you're just communing. You're having conversation. That's what God did in the beginning with Adam and Eve. He just talked. In the end, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Here in John 17, he says, this is eternal life. It's not so much about a place. It's about a relationship. And what do we do with the simplicity of relationship? We immediately turn it into religion. All about do's and don'ts. What we can and what we can't do. And then we as Christians start asking stupid, stupid questions. Like, how close to the edge can I come and not sin? I'm reminded of the story of in the Western period where the mail was delivered by horse and carriage. And they were looking for some new carriage drivers for the mail. And so they brought in three candidates and they asked all three of them the same question. They asked the first one in the presence of the other two, how close to the edge can you come and not go over with our mail? The first one said, well, I can go within two feet of the edge and never go over. Okay? They asked the second one. He said, I can come within a foot of the edge and never go over. I said, okay. They asked the third one, how close to the edge can you come? He said, I don't know. I stay as far away from the edge as I can. They said, you got the job. I love that. 
Why are we worried about how close to the edge can we come? It's about relationship. God will show you where the edge is. God will tell you when you're getting too close. It's about relationship, not about religious activity. We take something so simple and we make it so hard. God just wants you to know him, period. Well, how do I do that? Well, how do you know anybody? See, we're just like the Pharisees. They're told that we're supposed to be friends with our neighbors, and our question is, who's our neighbor? Like that was a, how stupid is that question? I mean, think about it. Love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Well, do you live in a cave? Who lives next to you? It's, we make something simple, extremely complex. We're notorious for taking something that just should be natural and making it complex and difficult. God's all about relationship. How do you build relationship? Well, you spend time with that person whether it's on the phone, whether it's over Facebook, whether it's over dinner, and you talk. Well, what do I talk to God about? Well, what do you talk to your wife about? What do you talk to your friends about? God just wants you to fellowship with him. Prayer. Prayer is very simplistic. The primary purpose of prayer is to talk with God. And we take something that simple. And we make it difficult. And we have people teach us, you're supposed to talk to God at 5 in the morning. Because he said he'd be with us early. And we pressure people who are not morning people that they're missing God if they don't get up at 5 in the morning and talk to God. Listen, if you're up at 5 in the morning, God's listening. If you talk to God in the middle of the day, if you talk to God at night, if you talk to God while you're driving, if you talk to God while you're fishing, God's listening. Why? Why? Again, we take prayer. Well, when do I pray? Why, why does it have to be when? Well, where do I pray? So we, we come up with a theory. You pray in your closet because God hears you in your closet and he rewards openly. We're the only people on the planet who are still in the closet. <laughs> Come on. How? How do I? We just make the simplest of things complex. And when we do, we lose the life and the joy it was intended to be for you and I. God wants to fellowship with you. He wants to talk with you and you to talk with him. He wants to encourage you. He wants to love you when you feel unloved. He wants to lift up your arms when you feel downcast. And he doesn't care when you talk to him. Just talk to him. I say this all the time, but it makes my point. If you were from the Bronx and you said to God, Yo, God, it's me, your homie. He'd be listening. And we get wrapped up in, do I, do, I, do I need to read the New King James or the King James Version or the Message Bible? Just read one. Just talk to God. 
you, you might have a southern drawl. Well, guess what? God talks southern drawl. He'll say, y'all come over here, we go over there. Just talk. Why do we make something so simple, complex? When we make it complex, it becomes chaotic and it loses the life and the joy it was meant to be. Can you imagine telling your wife, okay, I'm going to talk to you at 5 in the morning, but then I'm going to ignore you the rest of the day because I talked with you at 5. <laughs> you will be in my office shortly. But that's exactly what we do with our relationship with God. We try to mandate things that should be free-flowing and natural. When do you talk with people? When you're around them. What do you talk about? Whatever you want to talk about, whatever you have in common, whatever you're going through. Real friendship is about communicating what's really going on and people loving you anyhow. I love the t-shirt that says, I love God, but I cuss a little. Because it's real. It's authentic. I'm not saying you should cuss. I'm not, I'm not promoting that, okay? That's not, that's not my point. My point is, if you cuss, God's okay. It's not going to melt him. He, okay, you don't believe that? You can shake your fist at God, and he'll still listen to you. He's a big boy. He's got big shoulders. He'll outlast you. He'll outrun you. You can run from God for 10 years and turn around. He's like right there going, here I am. <laughs> Listen, we take the life right out of the life of God. And we make it complex. We take what God meant to be a good life. And we make it all about do's and don'ts and religious activity. And we miss the beauty of life with God. Let me... i got to hurry up. you got to listen faster. <laughs> Let me just tell you a personal scenario that many people go through and connect it to our relationship with God. A man can find out from his boss that he's getting Saturday off. He's worked every Saturday for a month, but he's going to get Saturday off. So he calls his wife all excited. Hey, listen... I've got, I've got Saturday off. That's awesome. Click, she hangs up the phone. By the time he gets home, she has Saturday planned. We're going to go to the mall, and we're going to go eat, then we're going to go to the movies, then we're going to have dinner, and then we'll come home. And she took something that had wonderful expectancy. It was alive. It was full of possibilities. It was full of joy and the unknown and then she made it expectation of we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And now he's in trouble because he didn't want to do those things. She took something alive and made it dead. <laughs> Sorry, that came out harder than I needed. <laughs> but my point is she made it dead and full of law we got to do this, and then we need to do this. Now, he didn't want Saturday planned. He had plans for Saturday night. I'm preaching as best I know how. Come on, cut me some slack. You know I'm right. 
He had expectancies. It was full of probabilities and things that could happen. Life. And because she didn't want, now it's expectation, it's law, and it's dead, and it loses everything God intended for it to be. Can I tell you, people come to church with expectations instead of expectancy. If you will come to church with an expectancy, it has life and potential and joy in it. But I know people come to church with expectations because they show up and Dwayne's not here. Suddenly, they are disappointed. Or Zach is here, and they're excited, but then they find out, I'm here. <laughs> and they're just, we, have, we love a particular song, and if they don't play that song, our expectation was when they played that song, man, because God spoke to me last week during that song, so we want to hear that song. We take what was meant to be life and joy and full of joy and, and, and possibilities, and we turn it into a law. I'm telling you, people are missing out on the life God intended for them because they're taking, snatching the life right out of it by making it about what we do and how we do it. I have had God speak to me through transition because I have an expectancy to hear from God. I don't care who I hear it from. I can hear it in the parking lot. Vinny can speak the word of God over you, I promise you. Our, our parking lot attendants are full of joy. They'll love on you. They'll wave at you. You see their smile. It just makes you feel good about life. Some people just need a smile. Some people need a pat on the back. But if you come with an expectancy, it's there. But if you come with expectations, you'll snatch the life right out of it. Let me end with this. I want to share with you the simplicity of how to make your life matter. How to make your life significant so that you leave your imprint when you leave this planet. Because it's really not complex. Making a difference in our world is as simplistic as willing to be involved in our world, period. God created you and I to have influence and impact. Everything on this planet that God created has a purpose, and that purpose was to make a difference. That purpose was to be involved in the world. And you and I were created to change our world. And the way we change our world is by being involved. Now listen, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, that we are salt and we are light. You know how light makes a difference in our world? It just be light. Light has an impact because it's light, and because it's light, it affects the darkness just by being light, period. You are the light of the world. You make a difference just by being who you are in Christ. Most of you are plugged into the power. You know, a, a, a lamp, which has the bulb, the light, has to be plugged in, right? If you're saved, you're plugged in. What I want to do is turn you on. A lot of Christians, they're plugged in. They're just not turned on. It, it is the turned on Christians that make a difference in their world. It is the people who are passionate about their Christian life that people are listening to. Many of you have the power, you're just not turned on. So I want to turn you on. Tonight's message was about turning you on, making that light shine. You're the salt of the earth. 
You know, salt makes a difference when you apply it to your food. I like a little food with my salt. I want to share with you all the messages here, all the worship, next steps, all the things that we are doing, implementing, getting you involved in serving, they are all about trying to help you get involved in your world. You are salt. What I believe we're doing and what I want this message to do is I want it to shake you because that's how you get salt out of the container. We got to get you out of these four walls. The messages are going to shake you. They're going to challenge you. We're going to, if I walk up to you and do this, I'm just trying to get the salt out of the shaker. That's all. (laughs) It's really simple, saints. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole loaf, but it has to be put in the loaf. It cannot have any impact if it's left out of the loaf. You were made and created for such a time as this. If God would have thought somebody else could do it, he would have created them. He created you, and he put you in Durant, Oklahoma, in Victory Life Church. And until God says different, work from here. Durant needs help. Durant may not be New York City yet. It may not be Los Angeles yet. But we got all the same problems they have. They need Jesus here just like they need him in New York and Los Angeles and every place else. So I'm shaking you up. We're going to challenge you. The messages are going to shake your world. But it's for the purpose of getting the salt out of the shaker into the world where it makes a difference. Amen. Amen.